Hello everyone. Welcome back to We Might Be Tables. We are your hosts. My name is well I'm one of your hosts. <laughs> My name is Shreesh. I can't believe you'll call me out like this. Um well, you know what? I'm going to call you out. Well, I guess then I'm one of your other hosts. Uh, I'm Devansh and today we're going to continue the discussion um and pick up from where we left off because um like Shreesh said in the previous episode which um I have to give him credit for. There's still a lot of meat left in Singer's article that we've we still need to get to the bottom of. So um thanks for coming back and we're going to continue talking about this wonderful article. Uh we left off last time with talking about how indigenous groups of um well communities that you know rely solely on meat for their survival because they don't really have access to um agriculture in the way that we do so say whaling communities or community or or um forested forest communities that that rely on hunting for for their uh daily nutritional needs the the question is um or rather the the conclusion is that the the conclusion we arrived at was that we really need to account for these contextual differences and cultural differences and really think about the nuances as well but this time i think we're taking the conversation forward with primarily obviously veganism and where we see it going in the future but also why it's going in this direction and why people even turn vegan in the first place i guess it's it's um it's interesting to like think about if um and well i mean before we get to why people i think are becoming vegan i think i really i genuinely enjoyed this sort of like anecdote that um singer shared which reminded me quite a bit of um my experience that i think i shared in the previous episode and he says uh, when i became a vegetarian in 1970 um he was a graduate student um you know in philosophy and he was basically sitting down to um i mean he was going to get food with a colleague of his who um who asked one of the servers is there a uh, meat uh was the sauce that's left in the pan was it made with meat and when the server said yes he ignored it and it's not not ignored it rather but he he chose not to get that spaghetti and then when uh, peter singer asked him um what was in it uh, that that why he was so against uh meat eating he he kind of thought about why he consumes meat himself um and you know he he says so well um the development of intensive animal ra- uh, raising and i think this is the word that um you you brought up in the previous episode too um of factory farming led me to consider for the first time the moral status that we should accord to animals and whether the various uses we make of them including raising them for food are defensible i decided that i ought to stop eating meat at least from animals raised in the usual commercial systems and before long i became a vegetarian and um yeah so <laughs> just just this account kind of resonated with me because um we think that maybe we can turn um to more i guess healthier ways of consuming meat meat that is more ethical meat that isn't that doesn't harm animals but truth is it's it's hard to find um meat that has been um i guess grown and cultivated without 
potential or any harm to the animals themselves so that's that's really um i guess something to think about yeah but you know what actually that's a perfect segue to um talk about uh cultured meat like uh you know lab grown meat and that's come it's it's a new technology i think it, it's it's actually definitely a new technology but it's definitely growing quickly and it's very very expensive right now but um i think it might become mainstream in the next decade or two decades because first of all it's it, it's about it uses about 99% less land than uh conventionally grown meat and it uh it's about 75% more environmentally sustainable or something like that and it's definitely more ethical right because you're just using stem cells of living animals to to basically grow meat in a lab and people have been tested on uh <laughs> this is a really interesting thing to read about as well because people were very reluctant to consume lab grown meat um during these tests and such but they couldn't identify the difference in taste or texture or any of that so it's it's just a, a i feel like it's it's a bias that people have against non conventional sources of food and if we're able to overcome that then lab grown meat is definitely well equipped to enter the mainstream as well i agree it's it's so fascinating to think that technology has brought us to the point where we can grow meat in labs and you know i've read a few articles uh, about this very phenomena and i know that vegans are still against the idea of even using uh, animal stem cells or even animal cells i don't know the exact technology but even using any sort of animal product to cultivate meat uh, in the lab some some vegans are against it which i think is also kind of where your um objection with veganism comes from like i i know that that's kind of and just to some extent i have that concern too because the principle of veganism was to not harm animals and to to yeah, have... exactly and that's exactly why i said you know you can still eat meat and totally be vegan if you're as long as you respect the life and respect the animal that it's really interesting to consider like the the technology and and the ethics behind i mean doing this because uh you know a, a lot of people would argue that it sounds like a utopia that there should be some caveat and to be very honest i don't know enough about it to even um comment on that but just just prima facie you know it it makes sense to even to, to consider this and if if not say for example the the stem the stem cell meat or or the, or the lab grown meat there there's even like 3d printed meat that has no meat whatsoever it's purely vegetarian um sort of way uh, how do you th- i'm sorry how do you 3d print flesh yeah i know so i thought i thought 3d printing was plastic right i know it's it's insane when i first came across this um concept i was absolutely mind blown and again um um it's kind of silly of me to even say this but i don't know exactly how the technology works but i came across this uh video um of a lab i think maybe in sweden or in some european country that is developing this this technology where you know how there are reels of plastic like you you spoke about in 3d machines that print the material but instead of plastic they have um other material so they they layer um those components which um usually end up tasting like meat so they layer it to look like a steak and then make it layer it to look like meat so there are sinews and 
there are um, spaces of fat in between the the fake meat so it's pretty in- intense pretty complicated when i saw it i was pretty impressed but even if we like leave that current technology in um meat like that that's already out there i don't know if you know this shrish but there's this company called impossible meat um where they have just if you look up their uh, website some of the pictures of their meat look exactly like beef like beef patties and what not and the technology behind it is insane because a lot of their all of their patties contain hemi uh, i don't know if it's hemi or hem which is h e m e which is um something they've grown through plants so it's plant um uh, hemoglobin um and what they what the scientists discovered was that um the taste that meat has this this really um i'd say addicting addictive delicious taste that meat has like inherently comes from hemoglobin and what they were able to do is take um the the i, I think dna of um again i you know it, it's it's better if i don't say it in, instead of like butchering the science behind it but the thing is they've managed to sort of artificially produce a plant based hemi or hem whatever and they've put it in their patties which makes the meat taste close to actual meat it's it's fascinating <laughs> like what is wait is it plant hemoglobin like what is plant hemoglobin yeah so i don't know how that see again um right. yeah I, no, I, think... i i yeah so i think we should uh, do a little more reading but yeah i get what you mean it's plant based sort of meat yeah and yeah that's that's the future of the meat industry itself i guess yeah and it's it's um i don't know i don't know how to i guess it's, it's wonderful is the one word i'd say like thinking about technology like doing so much that i don't see any reason why anyone can even say no right this is just something that i don't see any drawbacks to especially just purely in the meat context because think about veganism right now and why people are um you know turning vegan mm. and one of the lines that that singer says which kind of really you know messed with me it's not really messed with me but it it's it's so true and he says um it is a sad but true commentary on human life and human nature rather that if the vegan movement were driven solely by ethical considerations it would not be as large as it as it is today and then he goes on to talk about the the famous celebrities who shared that they've turned vegan um and their the impact of a vegan diet on their health and that's what's compelled a lot of people to to turn vegan yeah and it's not like i think that that's very that owes a lot to the fact that um none of our morality is really universal it's it's very very re- uh, relative and um di- highly contingent on on the context that you come from and yeah i think a lot of celebrity endorsements and especially i think the one person that really comes to mind to me is brian adams because i i'm i've been listening to him, listening to his music for such a long time and his whole deal with veganism is i think it's 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 great but um and i see where the appeal i mean i i've been vegetarian my whole life i think so i i don't really i mean i personally can't relate to it but i i do see where the appeal comes from and um it's unfortunate that uh our ethics are not enough to 
motivate people to to consider that consider their choices and it's not like you know i think something jonathan hyde said something like this uh, a while ago about human behavior in general we don't we don't really reason as to why we do things we rationalize so we do the thing and then we make up explanations for doing the thing we don't really it's not forward thinking as much as it is backward so that's yeah that's that's one sort of uh blemish on on the human character i guess it's that you're right like he calls it the social intuition model social intuist model um sort of which is his um uh, input from social psychology on how we react to moral judgment or anything that has to do with human morality we first react and then we try to like rationalize it just like you said shreesh and it's it's fascinating to like read his um social intuitionist model so um if any of you are interested in that do do give it a read yeah the the um the way we we function as ethical beings is so much different now than it was a long time ago and even though uh, a lot of social norms have changed uh in terms of you know culture and and just human to human interaction it's also crazy how we've not really changed much in in terms of our understanding of the environment and and um animal ethics you know like the rights of animals and stuff like that it's obviously it's definitely gaining traction and that's why we're seeing such an increase in the number of vegans and uh, vegetarian even vegetarian ideology right um but yeah it's 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 taking a long time is what i would say and you know i think what motivates a lot of people to even consider this thought is just pure shock like the shock value of having your bubble burst right i think some of my friends even meat eaters transition directly and this was overnight from being meat eaters to straight up vegan and all of this was obviously i don't i don't want to attribute it to just one thing and saying that this was the sole cause but i feel like the shock of finding out that okay so this is how my meat is produced is quite disturbing to a lot of people for example um uh just you know of the to give you an example of the top of my head like i think uh the gestation gestatory period for a cow is about 9 months or so something like that about 10 months maybe so it's very close to humans right and in factory farms these cows are uh, as soon as the 9 months is over and they deliver a baby they're made to get pregnant again they're they're forcibly impregnated so a lot of people are i mean well what if you were pregnant for 9 months and you were immediately forced to have another baby it's it's quite it's quite shitty so um i mean all of these things are just pushing this massive movement towards more sustainable and ethical ways of living you know there's 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 certainly environmental um reasons to think about this but there's also just simple health um concerns born out of how animals are kept in um their current um state i think one of the most um interesting um things to look at is how chickens are kept in their cages and we we know that because we've seen it everywhere in when you like uh, i don't know if you've seen these trees but there are often trucks with just cages and cages of like 
Oh yeah, definitely. Just I mean, they're all over chickens. India. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're literally everywhere because chicken is such a common, um, you know, food here, and it's yeah. it's strange because after the pandemic started, this sort of um, recognition of, um, I guess, hazards. Yeah, health hazards out of. I don't know what the technical term for these um, markets are called. What is was it? Met, wet markets. What was the technical wet term? markets and yeah, yeah, wet markets. Yeah. Yeah. And and people often attribute this these like wet markets to um, like Asian countries where there's so much there, there's you know so much population like it's so contaminated and um, so crowded that there's it, it's only bound to happen. But the sort of problem exists even in places like New York. Um, I saw I was I think I was watching this uh, video um, by. I don't know if it was BBC, but it was some news agency which was like talking about how there are wet markets even in parts of New York where there are blood, there's like blood and there's uh, water and and dirt and grime flowing from all of these places into the streets. Um, and when when you approach anything that's that's close to there and you and you you know want to enter there, they just like either like you know physically stop you or they close their shutters and sometimes even attack you because they don't want you taking pictures of how animals are inside and just the health conditions because more than you know thinking about animal concerns they they're more concerned about the the condition that they're kept in like he yeah public image i guess yeah sort of and, and just the health hazard that it brings right it's and he in in his um article he he described it well he says um to anyone entering a chicken shed the overcrowding is obvious as is the polluted air which contains enough ammonia for, from the accumulated bird droppings that's to sting the eyes and burn the throat and i'm sorry i'm just going to keep reading and it's going to be rather large but i think everyone needs to hear this only a only a more expert eye would know however that these birds have been bred to grow so fast that their immature legs cannot support their grotesquely large bodies with the result that mr webster says um a third of them show signs of arthritis like pain for the final weeks of their lives they cannot sit down on the litter that covers the floor however because it contains so much ammonia that it burns their thighs some birds suffer the still worse fate of having their legs collapse under them then unable to move to water they slowly die from thirst and slowly die in their own excrement yeah it's when i read this i was just I don't know. I was I was moved. It's let's say I'm glad I'm not a chicken. <laughs> stop making me laugh about this race. This is stop. <laughs> this is supposed to be really like this this terrifying, but <laughs> it's <laughs> I'm sorry. God damn it. Um but yeah, just you know, thinking about placing like a human in this position, like imagine making a movie where a human is made to do this, where you put humans in in cages and they like shit all over the floor and there's so much ammonia that it burns your eye and then their legs give up because they're so fat and then they fall and then their thighs burn doesn't it sound like a movie uh, like a dystopic dystopian movie where like shit like this happens it's just it's yeah, crazy to think about imagine the outrage insane like like then, and, and then imagine like um you know cutting off their fingers and their toes because you're keeping them in such uh closed conditions that they're going to get frustrated and start attacking each other so you just cut off their nails and their toes entirely that's what that happens be... to chickens like yeah they 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 get debeaked so that they don't peck each other to death pigs get their teeth and uh, tails 
trimmed so that they don't bite each other or hurt each other it's it's quite terrifying and it's quite um disturbing honestly and you know this kind of like makes me think about the thing that you said is that people aren't willing to kill animals themselves and i think this like a similar principle applies you're not willing people aren't willing to see animals get chopped off uh and and being treated to such conditions because the moment they see it they'll know that they're doing something wrong so they just choose not to see it they avoid even having to encounter this um sort of a stimulus stimuli whatever. yeah avoidance uh coping mechanism psychology 101 <laughs> um, and i mean ammonia and even like methane and stuff right like factory farms for cattle methane is it's in so much abundance and singer also mentions in his article that in equal measure methane warms the planet 30 times as much as carbon dioxide 30 times that's insane and you know i i, I used to laugh about this when um you know because this is not a new fact like people knew this right and i've heard this when i was in school and i used to laugh every time which is that oh global warming is happening because cows are farting and look <laughs> yeah i mean that was funny back then but like wait a minute it's so much more sinister than that yeah it's because we're, we're feeding them so much and I, i remember your point about like grass fed meat in the previous episode too about how they're um you know th- i mean even if you feed them grass fed meat uh, not meat sorry if you just feed them grass that would still produce enough sort of like a digestive um like capacity for them to actually fart out more methane and in in turn make it so bad and methane like you said them them fart i should just probably stop saying farting um i might just <laughs> like the middle schooler and me will just take over but um just there um um give me a word shish instead of farting there i don't know their methane uh uh release yes thank you their <laughs> their yeah their the release from their uh bodies methane release from their bodies is is terribly harmful to the environment and it's doing a lot more to the world and to global warming than we um are giving it i guess um credit yeah or we or we're accounting for yeah i wouldn't really call it credit myself <laughs> yeah that's kind of it's kind of shitty to call it credit but yeah yeah and um you know like it it makes me think about also uh what kind of these wet markets and the the, the places that you said they're i mean also combined with these factory farms and stuff and antibiotics it's also hot spots for diseases right and how frequently are i i think you could uh give me evidence against this but i feel like any um it's a good point to consider like how frequently are diseases transmitted from animals to humans i think about um from i think there was a website that i read was, i think it was world atlas 75 no not 75 about 60% of all pathogens that affect humans come from animals and about 75% of upcoming ones or emerging pathogens are from animals so it's clearly it, it does have a uh, quite a lot of negatives yeah that's true and i don't know it's it's something to think about um 
you know, when we look back to this pandemic and we look back to how it started, and I guess in history textbooks, the question that, you know, those, um, the textbooks we had with like highlighted bold questions with like pictures, <laughs> it would be... Oh man, N-C-E-R-T, <laughs> the good yeah. old days. Yeah, that the, the question would be, how did we ever get to this position? How did this happen? You know, and then they'd examine how we treated animals in a shitty way for our own like desires. But yeah, that that bold, like looking back and asking ourselves, how did we end up here? How did this like happen? It's interesting to think about. There's this other really cool bit about uh, Singer's article where they conducted a test about um, when they asked people to, you know, judge the moral capacity of a cow. And do you want to do you want to elaborate on that? I don't quite recall what exactly it was. Oh, yeah, that's actually, oh, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. That was, when I read it, I was kind of like, I don't know, um, confused and sort of moved. And there's there's certainly a lot to say about, like, confounding variables in, in studies like these and, you know, having, and making sure that you're, like, you know, there's validity of the study, but it's it's still interesting to, like, examine and think about. So... Um, what happened was um, they, 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 scientists brought in a few subjects and they gave, um, so, so, the, so some of the subjects were given, were about to be given a consumer test that required them to eat beef and the others were required to eat like an apple. And before um, and after they were given this information that they're going to have to eat whatever they've been assigned. Um, the subjects were asked to rate like the mental capacities um, of cows, right? So basically to, to elaborate, imagine if Shreesh was in group A and I was in group B um, and Shreesh was told that you're going to have beef today and before being told that he's going to have beef, he was asked to rate the capacity, mental capacity of animals and then after being given beef, he was asked to rate, you know, the mental capacity of animals, uh, of cows specifically. That was essentially their study and uh, what they found was those who had been told that they would be eating beef rated the mental capacities of cows lower after they received this information than they had re- received them before uh, than they had rated them before receiving it and this I'm reading out from his article and subjects who were told that they were about to eat an apple did not change their rating of mental capacities of cows in other words it's easier to see cows for sensitive for the sensitive beings that they are when you are not about to eat one of them and the same goes, I expect, for seeing the strength of an ethical argument against eating cows. Yeah, it's it's almost like we're um, we're refusing to see uh, we're refusing to accept what what we really think because of these, like you said earlier, I eat it because it tastes good, like those kinds of pleasures and i don't i'm not i'm not one to comment on uh which one is the more morally right pleasure to pursue but it's just it's important to know this because uh, because we hardly ever examine why we're doing these things and this experiment really shows that off yeah it it does it really does um and it you know, I, I don't even know if I should make this sort of a comparison because um, there's a lot more history and a lot more richer struggle. Um, but I was just thinking about like slavery and the idea of slavery, right? That people didn't really consider um, 
people of color to be moral agents that they just considered to be they they considered them to be well Hume would sort of like like turn in his grave but like because of me using this but you know people of color color were considered like slave of passions they weren't rational agents and so um the the idea was that they deserve to be sort of treated like this but i mean we now know that that's like obviously not true that's like that was their way of rationalizing their manipulation and sort of um exploitation of another human being that's how they justified it and this kind of like takes me back you know thinking about how we we sort of maybe know that that's not the case but we're willing to rate that animals aren't moral agents um even though we might know that they are you know what i'm talking about yeah and the thing is right like back then it was the norm it was completely fine to do that and we look back at that practice now with such uh abhorrence like it's the worst thing that we could have possibly done like the holocaust and all of that um i just wonder how we will be looked at in the future and whether you know whether that even matters i think it should matter to us because not only are we um unwilling to take into consideration ethics at least um you know most of most of uh the the meat industry today is unwilling but also with depriving future generations of um the natural environment because we're depleting it so rapidly and um yeah i think that's it's really sad more than anything it's kind of scary to i mean i've used the word scary so much it's like i don't have an extended vocabulary but well think about oh wow shrish no you did not just do that ouch come on you got to do you really want to hurt me like that i said well that <laughs> i know you enough to know what that well meant okay <laughs> excuse me sir um but yeah just thinking about how our kids might morally judge us for doing this that they'd say how could you you know and we're sort of in that phase we're in that that sort of like um paradigm shift i'd i'd like to call it of of considering where we're going as humanity what direction we're going to take in terms of thinking about the food we eat and thinking about how we eat and how we approach non-human entities and 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 nature in general and um he i think singer too sort of like uh, mentions this and he i think he quotes um somebody i think it was charles krautsmer i i'm probably butchering the name in in his article he mentions a quote that this individual shared before they died um well not on their deathbed but you know in their life they shared this they said that um i'm convinced that our great grandchildren would find it difficult to believe that we were that we actually raised herded and slaughtered them which is animals on an industrial scale for the eating and it's uh, yeah it's it's strange to think about yeah it's almost like it's almost like we look at uh past atrocities with so much disgust you know it's almost as if it, it's it's almost as if what we are doing might not be right you know what a wild thought that is um 
yeah so i think bottom line is that people are turning vegan and increasing numbers not just for uh say health or environmental reasons but it's also a more uh, ethical consideration as well which is which is nice um it leaves more room for debate and discussion and and considering what is right and what is wrong um you know as for the 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 argument that uh that you made in the previous episode where well we were we evolved to eat meat i i think we evolved to hunt meat and eat it we what we're doing now is not that it's it's poaching pretty much um killing we're just killing for sport and that's something that i personally don't agree with so yeah it's it, uh, i think what i enjoy seeing more than anything is is that people are at least willing to question their beliefs now and it's not just it's no longer accepted as the norm to um not have a reason for why you're doing something and it, it's important to um do that as much as we can like think about uh, like try to reason rather than rationalize even if that not if that may not be uh biologically possible yeah i think you're right when you say that um what matters is thinking thinking about the choices we make and and introspecting and making i guess a consideration for those who are not just humans who are not just us and looking beyond our own pleasures and desires yeah so we there's a lot of i mean there's so much more that we can talk about in terms of you know environment and ethics and veganism itself like you know something that immediately comes to mind is the whole deal with milk and milk isn't really needed you know for a for our survival humans are the only animals that drink the milk of another mammal which is really really strange um so like there's so much more to consider right like is veganism the new marketing ploy like is it just a fad that that people are adopting like they did with the whole milk deal and that which blew out of proportion or is it really something that's going to stick with us ethically so there's a lot more to think about um and there's a lot more that we can talk about i i hope we do think about counter arguments to whatever we've said as well because that's important too but i think um this is all that that we have to say you know for now and i just want to leave you know one final thought is that why do we really have to continue practices because our ancestors did so like we definitely evolved to have um a moral compass that's a lot more refined and we have a brain that's a lot more refined and developed so is that not enough like is our higher state of evolution and the development of of a conscience not reason enough to stop doing the things that we do yeah and thank you so much everyone for listening to us um and you know thinking with us thinking through this we'd love to hear some of what you think um and yeah 
we'll see you next time stay safe goodbye